I've been just very blessed to be around great coaches that were great people. And that's what this whole business is, you know, to be successful, you got you got to surround yourself with great people, not only just on your staff, but who you recruit and, and how you handle yourself and your relationships with Texas high school coaches and anybody that touches the recruiting process. And so, you know, just being able to learn that firsthand from all those great coaches throughout my playing and coaching career, I think is, is attributed to more of our success than anything. Hello and welcome back or welcome to another edition of Up Close in Personnel. I'm your host Alex Brown and this week's guest is actually our first head coach of the show and this was his first podcast appearance. Stephen F. Austin's head coach Colby Carthel joined us this week to share how his team navigated the year that was 2020, his philosophy on recruiting, what he looks for in a coach when making hiring decisions, and so much more. Coach Carthel is all about relationships in the recruiting game and building trust through the process, but the overarching theme in this episode is just his drive to surround himself with great people. From the recruits you bring in to the staff members you hire, the culture within your football program is ultimately made up of the collective character of the individuals you bring into the building. So when discussing the challenges of recruiting in a pandemic, Coach Carthel also shares great advice for recruits on how they can do their own homework on colleges, what types of questions you should ask about the head coach, and why current players should ultimately be every recruit's go-to source for information. Before we get started, I'd like to ask everybody to please hit that subscribe button, rate and share the show with other people involved with or interested in football recruiting and player personnel. And just to say, this platform has been awesome to engage with all of you, listeners, fans, recruits, coaches, recruiters alike. Thank you so much for helping grow the show. This is a fun episode that I can't wait to bring to y'all. So with all of that in mind, I'll now turn it over to my conversation with head coach Colby Carthel. Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um... Coach Carthel, welcome to the show. I appreciate it, Alex. It's uh, great to be on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was fun just spending the last 30 minutes just talking shop. How are you doing? I mean, it was a crazy year for you guys. Found a way to have 10 games uh, in a completely non-conference schedule. And the rest of the country, FCS-wise, is trying to figure out if they can play this spring. And you got it done. So how weird of a year was this for you? It was uh, it was a strange uh, 2020 was a strange bird that's for sure and and uh, you know it's kind of an odd deal for us because we're a new program and and I remember December second 2018 you know I got this job and and uh, sitting there talking to my wife and I told Sarah I was like listen you know it's gonna be crazy we're gonna jump in there do recruiting and then it's spring ball then get ready for the season the season then our first full recruiting class and and spring ball again if we can just get to spring break of 2020 life will be good again you know that that was the date we looked at and we made it and then the world shut down with a coronavirus pandemic and our world's been turned upside down since so it uh i guess i'm a little bit to blame i jinxed everybody and and we ended up with a global pandemic but it was uh you know 
a strange year, no doubt, but but we told our players, you know, we were fortunate. We were able to get our spring ball in uh, before things shut down. I think we missed out on two practices. Uh, and so uh, that was good for us as a program. And, and we kind of said it from the jump, Alex, that this, this pandemic, this shutdown is going to make excuse makers out of a lot of people and champions out of a few. And, and we were determined to be those that, that rose out of it to be champions. And so, you know, got our, got our players back there at the end of June and, and really hats off uh, first and foremost to our administration, our president, uh, Dr. Gordon and our AD, Ryan Ivey. Those guys, you know, made it happen for us to play. We, our kids wanted to play. We felt like it was the right thing to play. We felt like it was safe to play. And, and it was just a huge financial commitment uh, and, and just stepping out on a limb and doing what was unpopular because when everybody's quitting and it's a canceled culture, it takes some, you know, cojones to step out there and say, hey, we're going to play. And they did that and we did that and our players did that. And so uh, we went together and as everybody else in the Southland dropped everything, we, we had to put a, a whole schedule together. And I think we had eight or nine first games. You know, we were going to play Auburn and Troy State and I mean, Kansas and you name it. We had them on the schedule and just everything kept dropping. We finally finally got things kicked off there at UTEP and, and then uh, put together a 10-game season and, and uh, ended up winning six of them. Had the first winning season around here and uh, over a decade or right at a decade. So a lot of positives from the year and and uh, we were able to do it safely and 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 successfully so uh lumberjacks got a lot better in 2020 and we're thankful for it what was the shortest turnaround for one of those weeks just like for for like the the common listener i don't think they understand that most of the time you're using that entire off season to do your advanced cut-ups and and your advanced scouting it's your gas and qcs are working on but right. It's kind of hard to prepare for a team when you don't know who you're going to play in two weeks. So what what was the shortest turnaround y'all had this, this past year? Yeah, we've got some coaches that are very, very, you know, strategic and they've got a plan and they do it a year out and it was about to drive them nuts. I'd walk into, we'd meet every day and I'd be like, guys, get ready. I think we're going to go play this team. And they're like, are you serious? I mean, that's, how, who do we get film from? Do we get film when, you know, and, and so uh, we didn't have just a huge, just one of those that you saw with like, what was it, Coastal Carolina and BYU. We didn't have one of those. But those first early games, UTEP and, and UTSA, were really, uh, really quick turnarounds, I'd say two, three weeks. And, and UTSA, you know, out there playing Jeff Trailer's team, and they didn't have any film. I mean, it was a new staff there. So what, who do you prepare for? And you kind of walk into those blind. But it was uh, it was a unique experience. It's, it was kind of fun to go through, kind of a new challenge. Uh, we talk about it as a staff because the four losses we had were the, to the four FBS teams, and you know we're we're still a young team. We played thirty six freshmen in, uh, in 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 twenty nineteen, and this past year, I mean, we were still a team of freshmen and sophomores, and and we were close on some of those on some big big wins for us. And, we're like, Dad, I mean, I wish we, I don't, I don't wish a global pandemic on anybody, but it would be fun to do this again when we've got a senior and junior laden team. But it is what it is, and we got some great experience. Uh, got to play in some unique venues, you know, Liberty Bowl, Alamo Dome, Sun Bowl, and uh, Globe Life Park. We had a big win at, and and uh, you know, really take in some neat experiences. Uh, you know, our, our players, you know, had a had a social justice movement out there at UTEP that was. Sports Center named it Social Justice Movement of the Week. We've got to go out. We treated Memphis that last game of the year like a bowl game. Went out two days early. We took our team to the National Civil Rights Museum there at the Lorraine Motel. 
ate some world-class barbecue at, at rendezvous and central and you know just got to do some neat things you know in such an odd year that i think was really rewarding uh, for our whole program that's big time especially making that into like a bowl atmosphere because that that is a, a big time team you know a, a top five group of five opponent um right. you know just just to have that mindset october 24th you finally get cleared to coach you, you had just had covid uh mm-hmm. you said you, you you knocked down some bleach to to get yourself right um <laughs> paint the picture to joke. us there was a joke nobody go drink there, there, yeah don't don't drink bleach bad deal Paint the picture of what led to the shirt off celebration because uh, you you made a you you made some uh, some That's rounds amazing. on Sports Center for that one. Oh, pardon my take. And uh, Monday Night Football, Randy Moss gave me the come on man that week. It was, uh, you know, we we had I just you know I tested positive for COVID, and in the same day I did it, Nick Saban got it, and then he tested back out of it. You know, he's stealing my thunder that rascal. So, and we, we actually brought my dad down that week before who's on our staff and, and kind of as a volunteer coach and he handled everything. So he beat Angelo state that week and he, he did a six minute run on sports center, you know, just that feel good story. And then I'm finally back and it is, it's tough, you know, when you're taken from the game that you love and, and it's going on all around you and it's the middle of the season, it's not normal not to be there as a football coach. So I get back in and get on the sidelines, and that was a big, big game for us. It was the only conference game we were going to play. We built it as a conference championship. It was a team that we had lost to the year before in double overtime, and we knew it was a just a big game for our program. Just are we going to get this thing going, or is it going to be a rough year? And, and it was back and forth. Heck of a game. Coach Doral, ACU, those guys do a great job. And Anyway, we end up winning that thing in overtime there at Globe Life Park, and you know, overtime, that's like a walk-off home run, you know, for in baseball or a buzzer beater in, in overtime, you know, in, in basketball. And everybody just goes completely nuts, you know. And well, as a head coach, you don't get to run and act crazy. You got to go find another head coach, shake hands. And you. I'm looking around to see which one of my guys is going nuts and crazy. And all right, I get them all. We were on ESPN. We were on national TV. And I went to the, the winning coach who's supposed to do a, a post-game interview. And I went to the lady and she kind of gave me the, you know, source you know, cut your throat signal. Hey, we're off air. You know, it's uh, the game went long. So I get my team together. We, you know, got them on a knee, fix and say a prayer, have announcements. And old senior D lineman gets up and he starts kind of chest bumping me. He's like, you're not excited. I'm excited. And then they, they hit me with a water bucket. And, and, you know, so I just, all right, now I'm soaked. And uh, you feel like you're in the locker room. We are actually still on the field though. And I was like, I'll show these guys excited. So I ripped my shirt off, swing it around. They hit me with water again. It's a big mosh pit. We're going nuts. And oh, I finally settle down, you know, say the prayer. All right, great win. Go talk to fans, see my you know family. And I, about 20 minutes later, I'm going to the locker room. And they're, they're just like, coach, everybody's holding their phones up. You're, you're viral. It was on national TV. And I was like, oh no, you know, so uh it was out there, you know, the dad bod, the, the chest hair, everything, you know, and as I like to tell everybody knows, everybody now knows what a lucky lady Sarah Carthel is, by golly, you know, she's, uh, she's really got her a hunk of a guy, I guess, but it was fun. It was, uh, there's a lot of people that are, take themselves really serious and Colby Carthel is not one of them, Alex. I love it. I, I know you could just hit send direct message to recruits and just, I mean, that must've been a great, I mean, Talk about like the exposure that that gets your program. I, I know it sounds crazy, but at the end of the day, they're seeing SFA. 
our, our athletic director, he, he talked about it in the cabinet meeting the other day, that little shirtless escapade, whatever you want to call it, celebration, it did $4.2 million in ad equivalent revenue for SFA. And I was like, well, dead burn it. I'm in the wrong profession. I should be a Chippendales dancer or something, you know, but it, we didn't get $4.2 million, but it would have cost us $4.2 million to have our name and our brand out there like it was uh, from that from that game and that celebration. So we'll take it. I'm going to I'm not going to repeat the performance, but uh, it was it was fun. And, and it's uh, part of part of the part of the history now, part of the tradition. Oh, no doubt. So before before I want to dive into you know your experiences at, at Commerce that led you to SFA, I have to ask. Obviously, the state of Texas is the best state in in the country. I mean, there's no debating that. But you've got this unreasonably strong affinity for the state of Alaska. Mm -hmm. Why? For about a decade, I've gone up there and and, uh, worked a football camp. It's the All-Alaskan football camp, and and, uh, it's a really unique experience. You know, they play football in Alaska. Some people don't even realize that. They've got about 35 high schools, and – you know, football itself is about 20 years behind up there from compared comparative to Texas, but it's hard to recruit, you know, ain't nobody flying up there to do home visits in the middle of the winter. So uh, they do this, they put on this camp, Randy Klingmeyer does it. And, and so most all those kids from Alaska come down to this one camp and they fly about 15, 20 college coaches and we put the camp on and it's great, you know, for those guys to learn. And, but it's also a great way for us to recruit and see those kids and, and get it, you know, and I've signed several throughout uh, the tenure. I've, I've been going up there and it's just so it's a great deal. But then afterwards, I always flew my wife up and we'd go or family and we'd go, you know, camping and sightseeing and fishing and, you know, spend about two weeks up there because I do love Texas. But, you know, the last, you know, two weeks, last two weeks of June, you want to spend it up there in Alaska where it's 75 degrees or in Texas where it's 105 degrees. And, I'll take Alaska every day. And so we've had just a, a lot of great experiences and fun and adventures up there. So uh, we've been very, very blessed. And in that camp, I think has blessed a lot of kids through the years. And so uh, that's, that's the tie to Alaska there. I love it. So you grew up in West Texas. It, does that have anything to do with how much you've, you've like grown to love Alaska you know, I think just hunting and fishing and, and is in my background. You know, I've come from a farm. My dad was a college coach, but Carthels forever have, have been farmers and, and a lot of us still do. And so I just enjoy the outdoors and and uh, like I say, have, have been, you know, I was in Boy Scouts as a little kid and I just I like to hunt and fish and still do. And so that's that's where Alaska is just the greatest, you know, it's the Rocky Mountains on crack cocaine. I mean, if you've never been there, it's hard to you know, take it in and understand what I'm saying. But, you know, Colorado is beautiful and Montana and, and Wyoming, but it is nothing compared to Alaska. And uh, it's the last frontier. You know, there's very few people up there, which is, you know, I'm a people person, but there comes a point in time where I need that two weeks just to go up there where my cell phone doesn't work and I can get get away from everything and wrestle a bear and catch some salmon and, you know, have a good time uh, yeah. without without being connected to the internet and technology and the, the troubles of the world. So uh, it's it's a great getaway. And a lot of people go up and see it, not dogging them that go up on a cruise, but the best way to do it, I, I feel like it's just hands on, get up there and get your, get your hands, you know, get your feet on the ground and do it, see it like a real Alaskan does. And uh, it's, it's a great place. So uh, there's my plug for Alaska tourism. There we go. Love it. Uh, 
your dad coached, obviously took over, you know, when, when you were sick, you've coached for him. He now coaches for you. What are some things that you've taken from your dad? And I guess what age was it when you saw him going through his career and you said, you know what, I, that's what I want to do. I know I want to be a coach. You know, that's, that's a great question. We have really, really been blessed and, and uh, football's blessed our family and, and, uh, you know, throughout the years. And he was very, very successful. And, and at age 39, he won the Lone Star Conference Championship at Eastern New Mexico. First time ever been won outside the state of Texas and at the pinnacle of his career. And then he, he walked away from it and he retired from the game and moved to the farm at Friona, which is where I finished my high school career. And he did that for family just because back then with the rules and how things were, you know, he wasn't able to, to be at many of our games, mine or my sister's, you know, functions and just, he wanted to be a dad and you only get one chance to do that. So that was a great sacrifice on his part that made an impression on me. And, and, you know, I, I played for James Morton there at Freona high school, which was a great blessing. And I went and played at Angelo state and I went to college, you know, I wanted to be a game warden. That's what I wanted to do again, talk about outdoors and, and, and as I got into that, you know, and closer to it and realized I had to go to the academy and wouldn't get to choose where I, you know, was stationed. And, you know, then I kind of, you know, started looking at football and, and apples don't usually fall too far from the tree. And, you know, Dallas Cowboys didn't call me when I finished my lackluster career at Angelo State. And so I, I jumped into coaching and, and uh, right there, right out of the box there, went to our rival at Abilene Christian, worked for Gary Gaines, you know, Friday Night Lights. Some people know him as Billy Bob Thornton, but uh, Coach Gaines was a, a fantastic mentor for me uh, right out the gate. And, and right then, you know, I'd finished college. My sister had finished college. My dad tried to get back in, and he finished second for about six or seven jobs. But in that time, he was volunteering for us there at, at uh, Abilene Christian just so he could stay in the game. And then he got back into it with, you know, some IFL arena football and then and then got the head job at WT. And then I went went with him there. Uh, coached with him, I guess, seven years there at West Texas. We had the most successful run of anybody in the state of Texas played scholarship college football, and, and it was a lot of fun. Led me to an opportunity after our semifinal run there in 2012 to get the job at, at AM Commerce and and, uh, and hit the ground running there as a head coach and, and uh, had some great success thanks to a lot of great players and, and great coaches that helped us along the way. And, and as my dad, you know, transitioned out of, out of West Texas, he's, you know, been helping us you know, pretty much from the get-go, uh, still to this day, you know, he kind of handles all our special teams and from a quality control standpoint, he'll come down during uh, during two days and be with the team for about two weeks to get to know everybody. And then after that, you know, he just comes down during the week, uh, usually on Thursday, you know, he'll try to make Thursday practice, Friday walkthroughs, be around the team meetings. And and then uh, he's in the box every, every uh, game. And I've got him on the on a channel there where I can talk just to him and we can talk special teams and strategy and game, game management, time management. It, it, it's a great help for me because I'm not having to bug a coordinator or somebody else on a defense or offensive channel on, you know, Hey, what does it look like on this kickoff? And, and so it's a great setup that we've got. And, uh, and most everybody on our staff either coached for him or played for him. A lot of those guys have history. So when I got tested positive there for COVID, it, it made it an easy uh, transition. I just called him. He was up there. He's on the on the stripper, you know, cotton stripper, and and uh, you know, harvesting. He still farms, and he came down and just kind of took over that week. And so that we didn't have to change any of our you know procedures. Coordinators could still coordinate, you know. And he was just instead of up in the box, now he's on the 
on the sideline and, and uh, the, the officials crew that we had that week, we had them later on the season. I was like, how's my dad? He's like, he was great. He was giving us the business all night long, just like old times. And so uh, it was really fun for him and, uh, and you know, players played great and, and got a big win for us here at home. And so it was just, uh, you know, storybook ending to uh, not everybody's got a, you know, a positive story to tell on getting COVID, but uh, we, we were fortunate that we did. His success at Eastern New Mexico at a young age kind of correlates with your young success at commerce. I mean, were you just constantly in his ear and as far as, you know, how do I handle this with the program development um, side of things? Cause obviously the game has changed and college football has mm-hmm. changed. It's something I want to talk about, but what were some things that you took away from your dad's experiences and, and kind of his, his guidance? You know, I think just, you know, he does, you know, he'll chime in. He doesn't, micromanager try to tell me how to do things but he's always there and it you know in any job you know you're always going to have you know some situations where golly I don't know exactly what what I should do here you know what direction we should take and that's where it's always fun just to pick up the phone or shoot him a text and and he's usually got some great advice and I don't always follow it but it, it helps reassure you that you're doing right or or point something out hey you better think about how this is going to affect these people or or what have you and and, and sometimes he with just coming in, you know, once a week and then a little bit, you know, during camp, you know, he'll come in and he, you're around sudden change or, you know, subtle changes throughout the time. You don't realize you've deviated from this or that. And he'll, he'll be able to come in and see that, well, that's not good enough. That's, you know, that should be picked up. That, that guy's not very good, you know? And, and, and so it's, it's good to kind of have a guy that has a head coaching perspective that comes in and does that. But, you know, overall, just, you know, I think from him and, and also, you know, like I say, Coach Gaines and, and Chris Thompson, you know, who's a deputy head coach now at Florida State. I worked for him there at ACU as well. You know, the great coaches at Angelo State, Jerry Vandegrift, Mike Martin. I've been just very blessed to be around great coaches that were great people. And that's what this whole business is. You know, to be successful, you got you to surround yourself with great people, not only just on your staff, but who you recruit and, and how you – handle yourself and your relationships with Texas high school coaches and anybody that touches the recruiting process. And so, you know, just being able to learn that firsthand from all those great coaches throughout my playing and coaching career, I think is, is attributed to more of our success than anything. And uh, there ain't nothing I'm doing that I thought of myself, I promise you. And so, you know, just case in point, how important Texas high school coaches are, you know, and being part of the THSCA and, you know, our whole staff is, is a member and, you know, going to coaching school and, and, uh, you know, recognizing what, what a special place it is to, to be able to coach in Texas. I've been able to do it for 22 years and, and, and blessed because of that fact, you know, and, and uh, so just a lot of those things that you learn through experience, uh, being around great teachers and great mentors like my dad and, and those other coaches have really, I think, paid dividends with our success. In 22 years of recruiting this state at, you know, going from really, you went kind of west to east uh, in, mm-hmm. in many senses. Um, I don't like humidity. I had to I had to do it in steps, you know, get Abilene and then out to Dallas, you know, East Texas. And now I'm in now I'm in some humidity now out here in East Texas. I, I had no idea where Freona, Texas was. So, I mean, you really like you really went far, far west to yes. the east. That's, um, that's out there. So how have you seen this recruiting landscape change? Because it is it is so different than. When I was growing up, it's definitely different than when you when you started coaching. But where have you seen the biggest shifts? 
You know, I think just with technology and social media and, and everything, to me, you know, I'm not a big fan of it because it, it, it's made lazy recruiters relevant. You know, back in the early 2000s and everything, you could just, you could out hustle, you could outwork, and you could, you could find some diamonds in the rough out there and, and really sign some gems uh, just by, you know, a little elbow grease and, and, and hard work. And, and nowadays, you know, with everything so instant and, and heck, these podcasts and Twitter and Instagram and emails and, and just the internet in itself has just completely changed, you know, how recruit used to, you know, I mean, I remember in my early years staying up, we were, I forget the name of the service, but they would ship us these crates of VHS tapes of just high school games. And that was my job to sit up there and I had six VCR. So I'm recording three different tapes at a time recorded for two and a half hours. They would stop. I'd stop, rewind it, put the next six tapes in. You talk about a, you know, miserable job. And I was always sitting there. I was like, I wonder if Mac Brown's doing this at Texas right now. You know, that's where, you know, how it is to be a young coach and, and getting those grunt jobs. But you know, it was, it was hard just to get tape on players back then and, and game film. So now everything's at the, at the touch of a button you're on, on your phone or computer. And so that's really changed. And so, Deep, you know, lazy recruiters can be relevant, you know, just sitting behind a computer screen. And and so that's where I think it still goes back to, to being successful in recruiting. It's 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 about relationships. And again, now you gotta you gotta dig in and, and, and get out on the road, which you can't right now in the pandemic, and and build relationships and 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 separate yourself, you know, from everybody else by who you are and 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 what your program is really about. It's you know. Because every program's got some different staples, they, you know, their foundations and what they really stand for. But everybody can put together some good powerpoints and this and that. But to really understand and feel and believe it, that's that's where the relationship piece comes in. And so I think you know it's important to try to be very relationship oriented uh, in the recruiting process. But so anyway, that that technology I think is is the biggest thing. Uh, also, you know, as we're moving up in the ranks. Obviously, the recruiting rankings, and and again, I'm not an FBS coach. I don't claim to be, but the stories I've heard, you know, why can't they be successful? You know, I, you know, I've heard different stories that you know coaches are recruiting off of stars instead of what's best for their program. You know, and they're they're worried more about their own recruiting ranking instead of getting the best players in for the program because they're always worried about the next job. And that that's where I think I, I appreciate our staff. You know, we're a bunch of young, I call us young. I mean, we're not all that young anymore, but you know, we're all a bunch of small school guys that have come up and done it the hard way. And and we've worn every hat there is and, and don't have a super support staff of doing all this stuff. We do it ourselves. And, you know, I think that where it in, it makes for long, long days and nights sometimes, but I think it, it, allows us to be a little bit more vested and understand a little bit more and work a little bit harder and maybe be a little bit more real uh, in terms of doing what's best for the program instead of what's best for me as an individual coach or recruiting off stars. So, you know, the technology piece like I talked about and then those recruiting rankings and, and again, I'm not an FBS level, but now any, any booster can get online and a message board and a rivals two, four, seven and see exactly who his school is, recruiting and they're getting involved in recruiting, you know, and that makes it tough. And, and uh, that, that I don't think is always healthy for the, for the game of football, but that's the world we're living in now. 
I was going to ask you what your recruiting philosophy is, but I know it's, it's relationships and it's about being real and, and connecting. So with the pandemic, we haven't been able to go on the road. The, the onus has now been on, you know, phone calls and zoom calls and, you know, getting that information from coaches that you normally would when you go into the building and then you eyeball the recruit, you watch them at, you know, you know, at a, at a practice period, you you know, you see their counselor, you, you know, you're doing your homework on the road that, that didn't happen this year. And you guys were still able to sign a class that I went through it. I I know you really take pride in competing with the CUSAs and the Sunbelts. You would have finished sixth out of 10 in, in the uh, Sunbelt. And as far as like average recruit and, and Mm -hmm. the, the types of quality kids you're, you're getting, but when it goes back to, the recruiting philosophy of building relationships. What did it look like for y'all as far as building the, building out those relationships with high school coaches? You know, during this pandemic, it's kind of what you're, you know, it it it, it created some real, uh, you know, challenges and uh, uh, pleased with where we're at with it. You know, we were probably blessed a little bit that that we've put together two big classes back to back in nineteen and twenty. Just you know, they ranked third and fifth in the country, I think, respectively. And, and they were, you know, 20 to 22 to 25 kids strong. Well, this year was going to be a smaller year for us just because we're, we don't have as many scholarships to give within the pandemic yet, because that that's where I think you've seen just a complete uh, redaction. I don't know what the word is constriction on the amount of scholarships that are being offered out there. Uh, really everybody said being a senior 2020 was tough being a senior class of 2021 is worse much worse because all those guys last year when the pandemic hit they'd already signed they, they were going somewhere in 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 college these guys right now you know there's a bunch of guys across the country didn't even get to play their senior year and so they're you know you're over there in the state of new mexico you're you know it ain't good you know right now and so texas thankfully they played and that helped them but but there's just such a reduction of scholarships being put into this senior into this the class of 21, and and that's where you know it kind of helped us a little bit where we weren't going to have a lot of scholarships to offer because it's like you said we've we've been shut down for nearly a full year now so there was no spring evals no spring you know sit downs with coaches and 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 being in the high schools and getting eyes on kids no summer camps you know and and. He, We've worked camps together in the past and what a big tool that is, you know, just to see a kid move, but also be around them from a personality standpoint. You want to recruit guys that you want to coach and you want guys to come play for you that want to play for you. And and that's what summer camps do so much for is you get to you know, learn that personality piece. And then there's no fall evals and no, no, go, you don't get to go to high school games and see how a kid reacts when things, everybody can watch a highlight tape and man, this guy can play. He's great talent, but what's he like when the chips are down, when things don't go his way, when he, when a coach rips his tail, you know, and, and you miss all of that. And so there's so much of the recruiting piece that's missing. And that's where I personally feel like there are going to be so many misses in this class because on both ends, I think college coaches are going to miss because they missed all those opportunities and evals and, and, and uh, home visits and just, you know, the relationship piece of it. But I think players too, you've seen this transfer portal just blow up this year and it's, it's completely out of control. And so I think college football is tough. It doesn't matter if you're Texas A&M or UT or Solroth State University out in Alpine, Texas, college football is tough. And there's going to be tough days for every every kid on every team. And when the going gets tough, you know, I think today's society, a lot of kids want to hit the reset button. And now 
oh, I didn't get to take an official visit. I didn't get a true recruiting. I would have never come here without. I think you're going to see a lot of kids jumping in and, and jumping ship on people because of that, because of what we've had to go through this past year and, and vice versa. I think you'll see some coaches try to push kids on down the line because they've they've missed on them. And so that's where I think it's, you know, fortunate for us that we don't have a huge amount of scholarships to spend this year. So we've been able to really narrow it down and really uh, do our homework and get, you know, sign maybe what, what I'd consider quality over quantity. And I think that's going to pay dividends for us down the line because we were able to hit on some really, really good kids and, and, and how we did it and the relationship piece that goes back to the experience, you know, 22 years, you know, coaching and recruiting in the state of Texas. And I hadn't done it, but our whole staff's been together for so long. I mean, I, it's probably several hundred years of, of coaching. I mean, we've got guys that have been going into Houston, Texas and Dallas, Fort Worth, and they've been going to the same high schools, you know, for 15 years under the same umbrella of Colby Carthel or Don Carthel. And, and so they know what they're getting. And, and so when we call or when we shoot an email or a text, you know, we're getting some, some real information from those coaches and, and we know, we know we can trust them and they can trust us. So that's where we feel good about, you know, the class that we've got that you mentioned earlier. For, for recruits in particular, what are some questions that that recruits could do a better job of asking during the process so that they don't miss? Because you've talked about, you know, the importance of the relationships that you have on the road. And when you hit those guys up, you know, they tell you what's what's real. Um, hmm. What advice would you have for for players and recruits? Because it is it is a tough deal making a decision on a school without making a visit. You know, I've, I've got three sons and they're, they're a ways off from being recruiting age. But I, I think whether you're in a pandemic and doing it all virtual or it's in person, I think some of the things are are still the same. You know, I think, you know, first and foremost, you know, you, you really got to dig in and, and do your homework on the head coach. I mean, and just what his background is, what his makeup is from a personal standpoint, from a professional standpoint. You know, how many times has he moved? What's his goals? What's his ambitions? And what's his longevity going to be in that school? You know, because that's where everybody wants to, that coach left, I should be able to leave, you know, transfer. And, and don't don't listen to the, the college coach. You know, I mean, you as a prospect, you know, a kid can come in here and sit in my office and I'll tell her on a Zoom call and I'll, don't, <laughs> this is terrible to say, but I say this all the time in recruiting, don't trust the college coach. He's telling you exactly what you want to hear. It's smoke and mirrors. It's, you know, roll out the red carpet. It's recruiting. They're trying to get you to sign with them. So they're going to tell you what you want to hear a lot of times. That's where you've got to go and you got to do your own homework. And I think that's where the relationship piece with your high school coaches is, is so important because your high school coach is a prospect. You're, you're, you're that coach's kid. I mean, he loves you. You've just put it all on the line for him in your senior year and, and had a, you know, success and failures, it doesn't matter. You're, you're part of that high school program, that high school coach and that high school coaching staff, they're going to care about you right now more than any college coach would. So talk to those guys and say, hey, tell me about old coach so-and-so at this university. You know, how long do you think he'll be there? Is he, is he well thought of, not thought of? You know, what's he like as a person? You know, what, what drives him? And that way, you know, seek that out. So, you know, exactly because the, the, the head coach is going to be the one that steers the ship and his assistant coaches will reflect that leadership. The program will reflect that direction. And so I think that's a big piece of it. And then the second thing, Alex, I think is 
and even in a pandemic, you can do this with social media. There are no strangers anymore. I mean, go through the roster. <laughs> There's got to be players on the roster of the school you're looking at that, you know, and a coach may, you know, sell you a line of bull, but those players will not. Okay. Players are going to be honest with you. You know, coach can say, Oh, it's three to one girl guy ratio here. You know, whatever the recruiting spill is, those players are going to tell you the truth, man. And, and, and that's something I've always told our players, be honest. You know, if, if the dorm you live in stinks, tell the recruit that, you know, uh, this is a great place. The dorm stinks, you know, because by being honest and telling them, you know, the pros and the cons, they'll appreciate, you know, your response and, 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 and understand it for truth a little bit more, but, you know, players are not going to lie. And, and, and so again, those would be my two, I guess, off the cuff that I can think of, find out about the head coach and, and position coach, you know, just use your resources of your high school staff to do that because we all know we're in the profession. We know who's on the hot seat, you know, but I, you can't sit there and say, well, don't go to that school. That guy's going to get, you know, he's on the last year of his contract and he hadn't been renewed in four years. I mean, a high school coach can tell that to a player or, you know, your, your high school staff, they've got that relationship and that, that's just looking out for your kids. Whereas that's really, I think, unethical and negative for a college coach to be saying stuff like that about people he's competing against. And so I, I think it's important for those high school prospects, you know, you know, value and 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 use that that resource you have of your high school head coach, your high school staff, and then also get to know the players at the at the schools you're looking at. They're going to tell you the truth of all things surrounding that program. Yeah, and to piggyback off of that, you said how your your staff needs to really reflect your vision for the program. What are the expectations that you put on your full time guys? Uh, in terms of recruiting or, or in, ter what, what, in, in terms of recruiting and, and like, what, what are you expecting out of those guys? Because yeah, I know you brag on them a lot and that's, that's the lifeblood of your recruiting. Yeah. It's lifeblood of any, any recruiting department, because, you know, those are the guys that go on the road and they work their areas and they coach that position. What are you expecting out of, out of your full-time staff? Uh, it probably goes back just to what I look for and when I hire them. And, and, and Alex, I look for three things, you know, when I'm going to hire somebody one, first and foremost, they got to be a strong Christian moral man, you know, and if they can't check that box, you know, I don't, I don't pick up the phone. I, you know, I'm not even going to interview them. I'm not going to phone interview them. If I, if I get, you know, if I don't think they're good people and, and again, strong Christian moral man, we don't go to step two, but that's one, two, be a great recruiter. And, and that's uh one thing I think I'm proud of, you know, I've had a lot of coaches have worked for me. They've gone on and got some other jobs and, and moved moved up in the profession. And I'm proud of And I, I tell them all the time, if, if you're going to work in this staff, you're going to know how to recruit, how to build those relationships, treat high school coaches right, treat players right. That's all part of recruiting. Recruiting is not just making phone calls. It's it's what you do every day. And so strong Christian moral man, be a great recruiter, and then be a good football coach. And, and again, we all put a lot of pressure on ourselves and, and – you know, the football, you know, piece of it, you know, you look at how many, you know, look at defense and Super Bowls. I mean, every year it's a different version of defense that wins a Super Bowl. It's a 3-4, it's a 4-2-5, it's a 4-3, you know, offense is the same thing. There's many different ways to skin a cat as a, as a football coach. And so uh, just being a, a great teacher and, and sound and what you do is, is uh, but, you know, I've, I've hired, I don't know that I've ever really gotten on a whiteboard 
or when I'm hiring a coach, because I, I think those three things, you know, you can you can do without getting into a chalk war, you know, chalk talk with them. Now there's times we do and talk philosophy and, and this, that, and the other and, and X's and O's, but those are what I expect from them, you know, or how I hire a coach. And so that expectation, we've got a whole list that we go through, you know, once a year when we start a season of, of what's expected from, you know, how you talk to players, how you dress, how you operate on the road, you know, how you handle your business in the community, you know, all those things. But I think they all go back to, you know, being a, a good person, being a great recruiter and a, and a sound football coach. And I think you kind of get it all covered. That's when you reach the kids. That That's when you have a relationship that goes beyond just executing the game plan, right? You bet. I mean, they kids, kids are smart and they see right through a fraud. And, and if, if, if all, if all you're about is winning and losing, it's all about W's, you know, you're, you're devaluing those kids and, and you're only important to those, you know, the kids are only important to you if, if they can help you win. And that's not what coaching's about. You know, I've, I've told everybody, you know, Lord blesses us all with different talents and, and I wasn't blessed to be a pulpit minister, but I think I can do his work through the game of football. And I, I think he blessed me with the ability to lead men, you know, a staff and a team and, and, and to make this world a better place. And, and uh, again, I'm not going to browbeat anybody with a Bible and they're in our program, but, you know, I'm going to try to emulate what I think Christ, you know, wants me to be. And, and, uh, and our players see that and our other coaches do that. And, and there, there's so much more to it in football. That's what was awesome about this year. You want to really dig down into it. You know, I mean, just with the, the George Floyd and the, and the, and the, pandemic and the presidential election, Holy Mac, you know, everybody thought 2020 was just awful. You know, I think, and some of those things are, yes, awful, but it, it provided a lot of opportunities to really, you know, sit down and have some, some tough conversations, you know, with your staff and with your players and really grow as a man. I mean, as a, as a person myself, I grew in 2020 from the relationships and from some of the conversations I was able to have with our players and with our staff and, and about all things encompassing. And, and, you know, our society in a whole is going in a wrong direction, I think, and social media is to blame. And you can, you can hop behind a computer screen and say whatever you want about anybody, whether it be the president of the United States or some Joe Blow on Twitter that you don't even know. And that, that discourse, you know, that, that's a terrible way to interact. And, you know, when you get down to the nuts and bolts and you're in person and you're talking that that's what life's really all about in those relationships. And so being able to learn some of those lessons and, and uh, you know, about all those things we just talked about, I think 2020 uh, provided a lot of great opportunities for growth and for us to be better. And I think I got way off tangent from what your original question was, but uh, that's, that's, that's kind of the way I feel. They, they, they don't, it's an old saying, you know, they don't care how much you know, so they know how much you care. And, and that, that rings true today in 2021 and, and, and kids are smart and they see right through a fraud who's just in it to help me get the next job. Those guys don't usually get that job because players don't play hard for them and, and they don't win many ball games. Yeah. And, and you showed the willingness to, to stick it out with, you know, commerce and, you know, winning multiple titles and not jumping ship right away, you know, played on two, you really went through two contracts there how did you sustain that success there and the follow-up to that being what did you change when you got to sfa mm -hmm. you know i think that is a great point i've been very very blessed i've coached 22 years and only had to move three times and i hope i've moved for the last time i hate moving and uh, and i think that you know our staff is is 
we're in a great place. I mean, most ever coach on our staff owns a house. We don't rent, we own. And, and, and I took the commerce job and everybody said not to, it's the worst, you know, program in division two and little old town and, you know, this, that, and the other. And what we went out there and we bought a lot and built a house and sunk roots deep. And, and I really thought I'd be there forever. And there wasn't nothing wrong with it. I mean, it was, we turned it in five years later, we're the number one program in the entire country, national champions. And, and you just do that by, again, it goes back to people, but uh, you know, rolled up our sleeves, got the right people in there and we won. And it is, it is hard to sustain winning. That's what's so impressive about, you know, your Nick Sabans of the world and your Dabo's twenties and, you know, guys that have built programs and consistently win at a very, very high level. Cause you know, turning a program around is a real challenge. And the, the best time is really just when you're getting to win kind of these years right now at, at SFA, I mean, having a winning season this year, and I know we got a chance to be really, really good. Uh, next couple of years, those are going to be some fun, fun times. And, and when you're winning for the first time, winning championships for the first time and everybody's behind you. And then it really gets tough again because now you're having to sustain that championship level. And that's that's a huge challenge not to uh, let yourself get lazy and, can you know, hold the standard, continue to raise the bar, you know. And, and we were able to do that at Commerce with, you know, three straight conference championships, uh, you know, 14, 15 and 16. And we kept raising the bar and then and then knocked it out there in 17 and and uh you know i felt like we could have continued that trend and 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 continued to compete for national uh championships there but this opportunity presented itself and and i, I really I, I bought a bought some, we bought some acreage out there outside of commerce we closed on it in uh september in november i got another job we we're going to build a house out there and live there forever but you know the good lord just had a different plan for us and you know, put some people in place here with, you know, Ryan Ivey, who's a guy that our, our athletic director, he's the one that hired me at commerce and he had left there and gone to Austin P and turned that program around. And then he, he came back to Texas here to SFA and, you know, came down here and did some secret shopping, spent a day on campus without anybody knowing I was here, went down, interviewed at Houston and just, you know, felt the Lord telling us, Hey, let's, you got good people to go work for. Let's, let's go do our work on a bigger stage. And so, that, that's what led us to, to make that jump. And in this, this place was a, you know, it was, a, it was a dumpster fire, you know, to be honest with you. Uh, and, and it got worse when we got here, you know, we, we uncovered some things uh, from an academic standpoint that weren't being done right around here before we got here. We turned that over to NCAA. I mean, it's been a punch in the gut just about every day you come to work. And, uh, but, you know, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and tell everybody the steeper, Steeper the climb, the better the view. And then this this climb got a lot steeper. Uh, <laughs> every day we were we were here, it seemed like, but now we're we've got some great, you know, people in. We've got uh, you know, administration and coaches and players and everybody pushing the rock in the same direction. And 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 I think uh, we're fixing to be uh, really enjoying some fun, fun times here, you know, on and off the field, because uh, you know, you can't be a champion on the field until you're champion off of it. And I believe that wholeheartedly. This, this program had a 2.06 GPA when we took it over. You know, this past semester, we had a 3.12. So the kids are doing right. They're, they're, they're winning in the classroom. They're winning off the field. And now you're starting to see the wins translate on the field. And so uh, some, some good times ahead for the Lumberjacks. That's big time. And before I let you go, uh, thanks again for, for all the time. Really, really appreciate it. How big is this move to the WAC for you guys? You know, I think it's 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 really really special. It's really exciting uh, for us. Uh, just where we're at, you know, from a from a 
it's great for football. It's great for our athletic department. And it's terrific for our university just uh, to move up. And, and, you know, the Southland Conference, you know, it, it's a it's a really good conference. Got good people, you know, and, and everything else. And nothing bad to say there. But but we want to we want to move forward as, as a university. And, and we have some big plans. And and I think moving to the WAC expands our brand. You know, we've got a national brand now. And uh, the history and the tradition, you know, there's Heisman Trophy winners, there's national champions, you know, that have come out of the whack. And so, uh, you know, we're moving into that into that conference with some like minded uh, institutions. And, and so uh, I really think it's going to raise the bar uh, football wise and then, you know, athletically, you know, the whole athletic department and then just as a university. So it's exciting. Uh, you know, we're going to do some do some uh, studies and it'll help us from a facility standpoint and the money coming in the program. And, and, and again, just the overall brand awareness, but uh, the WAC is back and we're, we're glad to be a part of it. And uh, I think, I think some exciting, exciting times are, are on the, on the horizon. Thank you again, everybody. You can follow coach Carthel literally at coach Carthel uh, on Twitter. Thank you again. And uh, best of luck this spring, this off season. I appreciate it, Alex. It was it was a pleasure, and uh, good luck with everything. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. You have a good one. All right. Enjoyed it. <laughs>